everybody. Have a seat. Welcome to Coming the Cafe. We're live today. So you are hearing me as I am saying these words and hear me say I love you and I love the worship that's happening in there today. I love Shelby and Lindsay and that band. You guys were great at warm up. Caleb Hodges, man, you're the most dangerous man we ever put in a microphone around here. Um, love you guys so much. We'll see you at lunch and the rest of the afternoon. It's going to be a great day all day today. Psalm 84, I just want us to come to this psalm and listen for the word of God speaking us today. Psalm 84, begin with verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord with my whole being, body, and soul. I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar, O Lord of heaven's armies, my king and my God. What joy for those who could live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord, who've set their minds on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. When they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. The autumn rains will clothe it with blessings. They will continue to grow stronger and stronger, and each of them will appear before God in Jerusalem. O oh Lord, God of heaven's armies, hear my prayer. Listen, O God of Jacob, O God, look with favor upon the king, our shield, show favor to the one you've anointed. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Oh, Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. It's hard, and even as we stand here, it is so pretty outside, y'all. The sun is shining, the breeze is soft on the faces of of those outside right now. The, the sky is so blue, it's just gorgeous. And it's hard to imagine what's happening in Florida right now. I mean, right now, it's just hard to imagine that hurricane uh, regaining strength, category five. Uh, now it's just about to barrel across Florida, already started to make land in Florida. It's, it's, uh, it, it, it's amazing. Something like seven million people are evacuating. Seven million people leaving their homes. Governor Rick Scott has said that there's no safe place in Florida. I mean, no safe place. So, I mean, millions of people are, have clogged the interstates for the last several days to, to, to get away, to get out, to find safety. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's unbelievable. Pray for them. One of the things, though, and most of you probably know somebody who fits this category. In any situation like this, there are always people who, who won't leave. They stay home. How many of you know somebody right now in Florida that, yeah, they, they, they stay home? Yeah, so many people just stay home. In any disaster, that's the case. And there are actual psychological studies done to try to figure out why some people just won't leave. I mean, you can tell them that, that, that this is, that this is going to be devastating. You know, people will die. You could die. Your, your home is probably not going to survive this. You need to go. But, but people will still choose to stay home. Why do they do that? Uh, there are probably many, many reasons, honestly, that could be given why people would choose to stay. But, but honestly, the, the one major factor is, is the simple, simple reason that 
no matter what's happening, especially if it's going to be bad, I, I probably want to be home because there's no place like home. I mean, you tell me that I'm in danger, and that's my instinct. I, I, I just want to go home. One night, there was a tornado warning on a Wednesday night here at church. This was several years ago. And so we all packed ourselves in that room behind the baptistry there. It's like the safe room. And there with the mops and the buckets. And we're just all in there, you know, waiting to see, you know, if, if we're going to live. And in the middle of this, and we're just all in there shoulder to shoulder, you know. You know, some of us are singing and praying and crying and cracking jokes. I mean, what we do all the time. And so we're in there like this. And all of a sudden, Chip Jenkins says, come on, Tracy, let's go home. Tracy says, I'm not going home. I'm not going home. And we're all saying, Chip, what are you talking about? There's a tornado out there. He says, I'm going home. I just got, Tracy, come on, let's go home. She says, I'm not going home. So right there, Tracy and Chip out there, I mean, there's a tornado. And now a marriage falling apart right in front of our eyes. <laughs> because Chip says, I'm going home. If I remember correctly, y'all, he went home. I mean, he went out and went home. That, that desire to be home is very, very strong. I mean, home is where I'm safe. And, and it's so complicated. Home is the building and it's my possessions. And, and there's just a side of me that wants to be there to, to defend my home. And also this part of me that loves my neighbors. And I feel like I want to stay and protect what's theirs too. I mean, some people just want to stay back and defend the neighborhood. It's home. And there's no place like home. For other people, it's, it's not even about the house. It could be about the animals. I don't know about you guys, but part of home for me is my dog. I mean, it's the, it's the best part about going home, but that, you know, I have a wife. That would be really bad. <laughs> if Casey would just wag her tail and lick my hand, you know, it, it would be awesome. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I come home, Augie just runs up to, I mean, she races me to the door, and she's so excited to see me. Man, I love that dog. My dog is the dumbest dog on the planet. I mean, she really, really is. But I love that dog. And if you told me that I need to, to evacuate, but the shelter I'm going to won't take my dog, I mean, a whole lot of people, they stay back because they say, I don't know what my animals will do. I'll, I'm going to stay with my cat. It's interesting. Lots and lots of reasons for, for staying, but for the most part, it's just that overwhelming instinct to want to wanna be at home. I'm just going to be home. Where's home for you? What do you think of when I say home? I mean, for some of us, it really is a house or an apartment or a house trailer or a dorm room or an apartment. It's, it's a physical place where, where you keep your stuff and where you hang your hat, as they say. It's, it's home. It's, it, it's that place. And when I say a home, you picture that yard that you've mowed so long. You just picture that mailbox. I mean, you know where a home is, and it's a location. It's a house. It's a place. Other people don't have that kind of attachment to a place. Maybe you've already moved so much that you've learned not to fall in love with a house or even a neighborhood. For you, home is more the people. It's your family. So for a lot of us, home is, is our parents or, or our spouse, our children, our grandchildren. I mean, home is about people for a lot of us. And so we would say that our heart is at home with the people that are important to us. I've said animals. I mean, for some of us, it really is about our animals. We just go home, and that is where we are with, you know, our, our fur babies and, and the animals that, that we love so much. A whole bunch of y'all got chickens now. I guess you go home and hug your chickens, whatever chicken people do. Some of us call this church a home. 
we, we use that language. This is, you have a home church. We want to help you find a home church. So for a lot of us, church is a place where our hearts are at home. But, but one thing is for sure, when you're not at home, it affects you. There's a, a literal condition, and we call it homesickness. And we call it a homesickness because, man, you're sick. I mean, it's a sickness. You can ache, and I just don't mean an emotional kind of ache. You can begin to feel it in your body. I mean, it is a very difficult physical condition to be far away from home for very long. Have you ever been really homesick? Remember the first night as a child that you spent the night away from home? You thought you could do it. You really thought you were going to be a big girl. You thought you were going to be a big boy. But then what happens about bedtime? Man, my first night away from home, I just knew I could do this. I was at my cousin's house, uh, Sandy and Cindy and Ted Bennett and my Aunt June. Man, I love them. I love their house, big house in the country. And they said, you know, you know, Tim's going to spend the night. And mom and dad said, can you do this? I said, yeah, yeah, I want to get out of here. Yeah, I'm a big boy. I think I was four. Big boy, go, go. And man, I was awesome, man. I had on my, you know, my, you know, Gilligan's Island pajamas and I was in bed. And all of a sudden the lights went on and I thought, Man, I mean, I, 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 I lay there as long as I could, but I thought, I, I can't do this, man. I'm, I'm going to die here. <laughs> I mean, seriously, my heart just got so sad, and I wanted to be home so bad. So, you know, so I get out of bed, and I walk in there to Aunt June, you know, in her, in her gown and her, you know, curlers. And it's like, you know, y'all going to have to take me home. You know, and she said, you're going to have to just get over this. I mean, it's a long way <laughs> home. You remember that feeling, first day of school? Oh, man, I, I can remember going to school and being so homesick, but I had this little book satchel, and, and if I opened the flap and stuck my nose in it, it still smelled like my house. Does that sound just weird? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody's house has a smell, and, and inside that book satchel, it still smelled like home, and I just smelled that and think, oh, man, this is going to be the longest day of my life. Just homesick homesick. You know, you know what I mean? It just, it's a sickness. It is, it's a sadness. It's, it's an aching. It's a longing. And, and when you're homesick, the only remedy is to go home. Now, psalm 84 is a homesick psalm in a lot of ways. It's, it, it's a psalm that connects with that feeling of longing, w- wanting to be at the place where the heart is at home. It's a psalm of pilgrimage, we often say, and there's several psalms like this in the book of Psalms, because in in, in the ancient life of the people of God, there was this uh, yearly schedule of festivals, and again, most people didn't live in Jerusalem. They lived all through the land and and across the countryside, and and it was very difficult to travel in those days, so you didn't travel much, but when you traveled, you tended to travel for one purpose, and that was to go to the temple, to go to Jerusalem, to, to worship, and you would tend to do that on very important days, holy days, holidays, we, we would call them. And so it's one of these psalms of pilgrimage. It's a song that a man has written about that pilgrimage, that journey back to Jerusalem. So it's a homesick psalm. It's a psalm of longing. But, but you got to understand when you read closely here, it's not exactly his home, the, the kind of home we've been talking about. That's not the home that he's sick for. Because this man has discovered that the true home for his heart is somewhere else. 
And, and so in some ways the psalm's about Jerusalem because it is a journey to Jerusalem that he's making. But if you read closely, it's not even about the city. It's not the city of Jerusalem that he loves, although he may love the city. He doesn't say. That's the point. He doesn't say because it's not about Jerusalem. It's something about the temple. He talks about the temple. But if you read closely, it's not really about the temple either. He doesn't say a word about the architecture. He doesn't say a word about the carpet or, the, or whether or not the pews are padded. He doesn't say a word about the temple. It's really not the temple itself that, that draws his heart there. What is it? Who is it? It's the presence of God. The psalmist, the man who writes this, the one who writes this song, he's writing it from this, this place of longing. His heart is so sick. He says, I'm about to pass out. This longing, this aching in my bones for God. It's for the presence of God. He says, I would rather spend one day, one single day in your presence, God, than a thousand days anywhere else. Now let that sink in. One day, I'd trade a thousand days any place you name for one day. I mean, I can name some good places. Name some good places. If you could be anywhere on earth, the most beautiful place, your happy place, where is it? Hawaii? I mean, I pay money to see Willie Ray in a grass skirt. I'm going with you. <laughs> Hawaii? Yeah, if you could be right now in Hawaii. Absolutely. Where else? Keep going. Where's beautiful? Woodburn? Who said that? Would you take her to Hawaii when you go? Yeah. No, Woodburn's awesome. Yeah, man, Woodburn's awesome. I mean, this is my home, so there's a, a part of me that thinks, man, there's got to be another place more beautiful. But when I'm away from this place, it's the only place I want to be. I want to come back to Woodburn. Where else? What's that? Grand Canyon? Is it beautiful? Yeah, I've never been. The Grand Canyon. Somebody said the mountains? Yeah, oh, Smoky Mountains, Rocky Mountains. Man, you just name it, the mountains are gorgeous. You know, Gatlinburg, you go up that long ramp up Klingman's Dome and stand up there in the fog, and, and you think you're going to see forever, but all you see is fog because it's the Smoky Mountains. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. Dollywood, I guess. Uh, Disney World. Man, so many places on earth that we think, man, you know, it's just to be there, just to be able to go there. But, but this is what he's saying. You just named a place. You name the most amazing place, you name the magical place, and I'm telling you, I would rather spend one single day, one single day close to God than in any thousand days in the best place you can name. Where does that come from? Why would he say that? Is he just singing? Is he exaggerating? Is he just trying to say something that would sound good when he says it in church? No, no, no. This is from his heart. This is real for him. I know that it's real for him because I, I understand this. Do, do you understand this? The, the reason he says, I would rather spend one single day in God's presence and a thousand days anywhere else is because he's been there. He's been near God. He knows God. He loves God. God. And because he's been there, because he's been so close to God, he knows that there's no place on earth I'd rather be. There's no place on earth. And so he says, I long, my heart longs, my, my heart faints just to be in his presence, man. And when I get there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing like I'm crazy. That's what he says. I'm going to shout like I'm crazy. I just want to be there. I want to be in his presence. 
And then notice, I think this is so beautiful and funny. Verse 3, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. What joy for those who can live in your house. Do you understand what just happened there? He, he got there. He's in the temple now. He's near God now. And he's singing like he's crazy. And he's shouting like he's crazy. He looks up in the rafters of the temple. I mean, this is just real life, you all. And in the rafters of the temple, what does he see? Bird's nest. Now, why are there bird's nests in the temple? Well, it's open air. It's a, it's a Mediterranean climate. The temple has open courtyards, sort of like our pavilion, only more glorious. You understand? It's just open courtyards, and, and it's open. And so you got to know that the temple in Jerusalem is going to be the biggest bird's nest in Palestine. I mean, it just is. The birds are going to nest there. But notice how this man's heart operates. He's singing and shouting and worshiping God. And he looks up and he sees a bird's nest, a sparrow raising her young near the altar of the Lord. And what does he say? That lucky bird. That's the luckiest bird in the world. Why does he say that? Because that bird gets to live here. That bird lives here. He's not going to live there. I mean, this man has made this incredible pilgrimage to get to the place where God dwells, to be near the Holy of Holies, to be near the altar just to sing and shout and worship him. But he knows it can't last because he's got to go back home. This is the only place he wants to be, but he can't live there. You can't live there. I mean, it's the temple. It's a great place and lots of people go. But you know, at 5 p.m., Warren Weeks is going to lock all the doors and run everybody out. I mean, you can't live there. Man, what joy for those birds. Just get to live here. Okay, okay. Now, that was then. The most beautiful thing about reading this particular chapter is to read it in light of the gospel. That was then. The psalmist had this concept of God, God's presence, and, and God's glory dwelt at the temple for him. And, and, and in a very real way, that was true. God's presence, God's direct presence, his glory was there. And so when you came to the temple, you, 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 you sort of like you visited God. I mean, God's glory, God's presence was there at the Holy of Holies. That's how they thought. That's how the Old Testament was shaped. So for him, he would go into God's presence. He would go to the temple, but then go back home and long to get back to being near God again. I mean, that was then. But you must understand, we're standing in a very different place. That's not exactly how it operates now. Now, for some of you, that's still how it operates. You still think that God lives at church and you visit him on Sundays, but you've missed the gospel. And all of you coming here on Sundays, if you think God lives here and you visit him, then you go back home and you come back next Sunday and visit him again. Understand, you've missed everything that Jesus died for. You missed everything that Jesus shows us about the heart of the Father. You've missed everything about where your heart should find its home. It is not that God dwells here at church. This is the amazing thing. The psalmist could not have imagined what you and I get to preach. The psalmist could not have imagined what you and I get to know as everyday life. The psalmist would say that the birds get to build their nest and live here with the altar of God. What joy for those who just get to live here. Lucky birds. But don't you, have you not read the New Testament? Don't you know what the New Testament proclaims? Don't you know what Jesus shows us? 
The Gospel of John begins with the most amazing declaration. The Gospel of John begins by saying, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, and the Word made His home with us. The Word became flesh. God became flesh, and He made His home with us. He became one of us. He moved in. He moved into our neighborhood. Jesus says, if you love me and do it, do what I command, my Father will love you, and we will come and we will make our home with you. This is the gospel, that God himself was not satisfied to live off in heaven apart from us. So God comes down. God comes down. The very spirit of God comes down like a dove, like a sparrow, like a bird, and he builds his nest in my heart. He builds his nest in your heart. The psalmist could not have imagined that. The psalmist longed to have the presence of God that near and only to sidle up to the altar was as close as he could imagine. He would have never, never been able to comprehend what you and I know as everyday life. The spirit of the living God dwells in me. I don't go to a temple. I don't need a temple. Don't you know, the scriptures say, that you yourself are the temple of the living God. He's moved in. He's made his home in me. He's made his home with me. I, I can't even comprehend that. Of all the beautiful places in the universe where God could make his home, all the most beautiful places on earth that you and I would rather be, would rather live, the vastness of the universe, the places that God could dwell, heaven itself, city of gold, the paradise of his own hands. God would trade a thousand, thousand eternities in any of those places just to be with you, to make his home in your heart. This is what God has done. This is what the gospel proclaims. We don't stand a long way off longing to be close to God. God has come and made his home in our hearts. How he must love us. The beauty he must see when he gazes into your heart to make his home in your heart. There's no place he'd rather be. This is what Jesus revealed. So where's home for you? Lots of times we think of home as a physical house, a physical building. It doesn't last. It never lasts. Sometimes that's a good thing. You know, you move out of that dorm room that smells like feet and you're thinking, man, I hope I never go, go back there. Sometimes there's a house that belonged to your grandma, your mama, and Maybe your house, and to leave it just tears your heart out. It's home, but that's the point. You don't get to live anywhere forever. This, this world is not your home. Houses burn. Houses are blown away and destroyed by storms. Lots of people will lose their houses today because of this hurricane. Lots of people will lose houses. That's why you can't, you can't begin to think of a house as the place where your heart is at home. It, it, it can't provide a shelter from everything. Animals. I love my dog, but I said she's the dumbest dog on the planet, y'all. I mean, she's going to walk out in front of something and die. I mean, she will. I, I know she will. You, you just can't give your heart to things that cannot last forever. You, you, you can. And the same goes for people. You know, for some of us, you know, I mean, home was all about mama. 
daddy, but now some of you already buried your parents. You know that you don't get to have your mom and dad forever. Some of us home is about children and grandchildren, but honestly, children grow up, children leave, children go and make families of their own. You can't expect your children to provide the home for your heart. They, they, they were not created for that. What I'm telling you is the truest thing I know how to tell you. There is no true home for your heart here. Because there's not supposed to be. This world's not your home. Your security, your love, your acceptance, it doesn't come from anything down here or anybody. That's why wherever you go, wherever you live, whatever you do, there's this emptiness, this homesickness. Wherever you are, it never seems quite right. I know you love your house, but how come you have to repaint the kitchen every five years? Understand? How come you're just always trying to, you know, what if I just knock that wall out? Because even your home isn't home. Even your home doesn't satisfy. There must be a way to, to make it better because you're never satisfied. You can't be satisfied. Your world's not your home. You're never going to quite fit in wherever you go. The church can be a home, and, and I love this church. You're family to me, but at the same time, there's always something not quite perfect about us. And besides that, we don't live forever either. We're constantly burying one another. Life, it's not our home here. It's, it's like there's this empty place in me. No matter what I do, no matter where I go, there's like this empty place. It's, a, it's like a nest. And it is intended to be a home for the very Holy Spirit of God who lives in you. So here's the secret to homesickness and finding your home. You will never find yourself at home until the very Spirit of God makes his home in you. When God himself finds his home in you, then you and your heart will have found its true home. The psalmist says, I long, my heart breaks wide open, I faint with longing. Only want to be where you are. He could not have possibly imagined that that God who that he worshiped from a distance would one day give his life to come, make his home in our hearts. You will never, ever be at home until he finds his home in you. You pray with me. God, some of us have just never known your presence like that. We want to believe. We want everything that the psalmist seems to know. We, we want to love you like that. We want to know you like that. But, Lord, it's just uh, this world feels an awful lot like home. At least we've settled in for it, Lord. We have a very difficult time looking up, finding you. We have a very difficult time acknowledging, Lord, that there's anything more than what our eyes see. So, Lord, today, would you make your presence real for us? Lord, that man in this house who's doubting today that the word of God and the word of the preacher is true, Lord, I pray that you would show yourself to him beyond all doubt. 
for them. That child who's growing up here in this church in the very lap of, of you, oh Lord, I, I pray that you'll begin to reveal yourself, your, your presence, your reality to our children, that they will know you and long to be with you. They'll find their home with you, Lord. Lord, and all of us who've been doing this for a long, long time, all of us who've learned to take your presence for granted, all of us, Lord, who claim that your presence and power are living in us, but our lives bear so little evidence of that, Lord God, I pray that you would break our hearts wide open with the majesty and vastness of your presence. Holy Spirit, fall on us like a dove and build your nest in our hearts. God, we love you, but we love the world too. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to reach the place where we love you most of all. Lord, we can't imagine how and why you love us so, but you love us. So help us to find our home in your love because of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Today would be such a good day for you to open your heart to the Lord. Today would be such a good day for you not just to come to church, but to literally come home to the Father, the God who made you and loves you. It doesn't have to be while we sing, but it can be while we sing. If you just want to stop while we sing and while everybody else sings, you just forget them and you just begin to talk to God. It's, it's prayer. It's just talking to God. Just, just, just begin to talk to him. Tell him uh, about your doubts. Tell him your desire to know him. Tell him your desire to know his presence. Just talk to him. When you come before his presence, one of the first things that happens is you just become aware of your unworthiness. Sometimes when you draw near to God, there's a part of you that just wants to run away. It's because of the sin in us. As much as we love him and want to be near him, there's so much of us that still loves this world so much. We have to be willing to leave everything else and run to him. So pray through that. Just tell him the truth. Tell him that you're struggling. Tell him that you're reaching. And in your prayer, you begin to find him reaching down to you. Just allow him to take hold of you. Allow him to save you. Allow him to move into your life and live. Make his home with you. It's what we call being a Christian. It's very, very simple, but that doesn't make it easy. If it were easy, everybody would have already done it. It is a difficult thing to surrender yourself to the will and power of another. That's what you're being asked to do. If he comes in to live in your life, he's going to need to take over. He's going to need to clean the house, and you have to be willing to give him that authority. Open your heart to him today, I promise you. In his presence, you will find that there's no place else you'd rather be. Come home to him today as we sing. Stand together, please.